Chapter Eighteen of Against Odds by Lawrence L. Lynch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Eighteen. If you'll find one, I'll find the other. It was through the boy Bill that we learned finally how the brunette and her companions made their escape from Wooded Island after the attack upon the guard. I found the lad waiting upon my return from Washington Avenue and full of the excitement of his story He had struck upon her trail not long after she had parted from the guard it would seem He had been watching upon Midway Plaisance until thoroughly weary When he caught sight of her going east and followed her to the Turkish Bazaar as before This time she did not retire behind the curtains much to his relief but she spoke a few words to the tired-looking woman behind the bedecked sales-table and then left as she came going straight to the entrance upon midway which opened upon madison avenue as on a former occasion and from thence as before passed miss generous's rooms and so to her own at the cafe here again bill was obliged to loiter three long hours and then a woman passed him so close that her face was distinctly visible and entered the place He recognized her at once as the woman of the tired face Though she was now dressed quite smartly and with no remnant of the oriental in her costume This I gathered from his description of her attire which while it failed to give things their proper names as set down in the books of fashion was sufficiently vivid and enabled me to easily recognize the person who had aided the little brunette by impersonating Miss Jenrys the night before. She had entered the cafe and disappeared again through a side door to return before long in company with the brunette. They had then partaken of a hearty meal at one of the cafe tables and had entered the fairgrounds at dusk. I didn't have no trouble attracting them, though I had been dreading a regular Bo Peep dance, seeing how late was getting. But they just sauntered along quite slow only I noticed they was always careful not to get into no strong lights They kept on the shady side of things especially the tallest one with the big cowboy hat So I just monkeyed around till I see him start to go round the electricity building Then I just slipped over between the electric and mines, you know and come ahead of them just as they turned towards the bridges I tell ye he declared with enthusiasm in a bad cause they couldn't have struck a better place than that there second bridge first There's the t'other bridge and that little island on one side and most everybody going round the mines on t'other side Cause twas best lighted Then there was them little bushy islands and all that lagoon on the not a speck of light Except a few clean across the liberal art shop and most of them little lamps on the island gone out I tell you mr. Masters I felt sort of glad when I seen ye coming across and hiding the bushes. Oh, you saw me, did you? I said to hasten him on. I should say I was a laying flat alongside of them little shrubs on the other side of the path, right where you turned off. Well, go on, Bill. Well, sir, I was so busy watching them women that I didn't notice nothing else except you and the guard. Of course, I thought he was tending to his biz when they stopped to talk on the bridge. I began to crawl along close to the bridge and then you know how it was all coming so sudden Well, I see the feller go over and seen you start towards the water and I just took after the others Well, sir, 
"'Twas too slick the way they managed. "'Right alongside them willers, "'there was one of them little skiffs "'that stuck round the island for show, "'or one just like em. "'It lay just where that little woody strip "'had come right between the island and the other side, "'and twas all dark there. "'Well, they all ran that way across the grass, "'and me after em, close as twas safe to get. Two of em, the tall woman and one of the men, "'got into the skiff, and the other two struck off north, "'keeping on the grass and under the shade. "'I followed after them. "'They went pretty fast, too, "'till they came most to them hoodoo tea-shops, you know. "'We hadn't met a soul so far, but it was lighter there, "'and I see there was a guard coming towards them. "'And what do you suppose they did?' "'Oh, go on, Billy.' "'Well, I had got pretty close, "'and I seen them whispering together, "'and then it seemed to me... That they wasn't so far away as they had been a minute before then flash came a fizz match and sure enough there they was facing towards me and the very way they come and holding the match to the ground just then the guard come up and they told him they or she dropped their purse and was looking for it and when he asked when she said oh an hour ago when they walked across the island to see the haughty Horticultural, ticultural place lighted, and the guard said he feared they wouldn't find it, and went on telling them they'd better hurry out, and then he went back the way they'd come, crossed the bridge and all, and every little way they'd light a match, and course I got so close I heard her say, it must have been when I fell down. I thought somebody got a fall when they'd run from the bridge down into the bushes. Well, did you find where they went? Drap the luck, no. I'd followed em out midway when a couple of guards stopped me, and afore I got out from their grip, the two of em was out of sight. I was not surprised to hear this. I was quite convinced that the gang had in some manner secured a safe and secret lurking place in the pleasance. Still, somehow, I had hoped for something more from Billy's report, and felt somewhat disappointed. But I had yet to learn its true value. During my absence there had come a message from the bureau asking our presence there. It was the Lausch robbery that required our presence, so the message read, and Dave had returned an answer promising our presence at the earliest moment of leisure. We did not feel so deeply interested in the Lausch robbery then as in some other matters, but when we had dismissed our boy shadower, we went at once to the bureau. There was considerable excitement at the office, and with good reason. Some of Monsieur Lausch's jewels had been returned, and in a most novel manner. Early in the morning a guard had appeared with the treasure in his hands, and a singular story upon his lips. Last night, he had said, while crossing the northeast end of the wooded island, at quite a late hour, he had encountered a man and woman searching for a lost purse. They were quite certain it had been lost on the island, and he being then on duty and unable to delay told them that he would search for it next day and passed on early in the morning he had entered upon the search at the place where he had met the two and finding no trace of the lost purse had turned his search into a stroll about the island he was quite familiar with the place having done guard duty there and going close to the water's edge at a point where a favourite view was to be had he observed that one of the skiffs that were moored here and there about the island was gone. 
going closer he saw that it had been roughly torn from its moorings and the soft soil showed that several people had left traces of their presence it was in stooping closer to look at these footprints that he had noticed a bit of string trailing across the grass just beyond and taking hold of this he found a weight upon it which proved to be a little chamois skin bag containing some uncut gems he had at once reported this find to his superior officer being an honest guard and was ordered to come with it to the bureau there was no room for doubt or mistake the chamois bag contained a portion of the jewels stolen from the pavilion of monsieur lauch there were some half dozen of the dew-drop sparklers taken with the silver leaf tray one large topaz and two of the smaller ones and there were also two solitaire rings which were not of the lauch collection the bag containing these had been securely tied to a stout cord nearly a yard in length and fastened doubtless about the body of some person so securely that the double sailor knot remained a very hard knot indeed but alas for human calculations something it was evident having a fine keen edge had come in contact with this cord and had cut it smoothly in two as dave brainard and i saw these things the same thought entered both our minds and we exchanged one swift glance of mutual meaning after which we stood and heard monsieur lauch ejaculate and wonder and question the officers discuss and theorize and prophesy ourselves saying little and eager to be away from this place that we might take counsel together concerning this new thing singularly enough no one seemed to think of connecting this find with the attack upon the guard at the bridge and finally they decided to advertise the gems as if they were still in the hands of the finder who only awaited a reward to yield them up and as little more could be done dave and myself withdrew from the council where we had been little more than lookers-on as we were taking our leave the mail was brought in by a messenger and we were called back from the outer office to hear a letter read it was from an uptown jewelry house at least it bore the card of the house and it reported that an emerald large fine and of great value had been purchased by the head of the firm under somewhat suspicious circumstances and from a woman further information and a description of the woman the letter stated might be had by addressing or appointing a meeting with the writer and now my interest suddenly awoke and to such good purpose that i managed to be chosen as the person to go to the city and interview the writer perhaps also the purchaser of the jewel and this accomplished brainerd and i withdrew in haste there was no doubt in our minds the story told by the guard fitted too well in billy's tale to admit of doubt the bag of stolen jewels had been lost by the little brunette and dave was fully of my mind i can't see how it was done he said as we discussed the matter later but it's plain enough that she had missed the bag and that they were searching for it when the guard came up of course she wouldn't say that she had lost a bag of jewels hardly i replied as for the how i can very well see how that string might have been severed you know my opinions about this brunette a concealed knife may have done the mischief or one of those steels that help to give ladies a slender waist broken perhaps by the vigorous running may have cut the string 
it would only require a little rubbing to do the thing i tell you dave it looks as if we would have a full account to settle with this individual and i begin to feel the ground under my feet i'd like to know who the men were who threw the guard over the bridge though don't you think greenback bob capable of it quite and delbra capable enough but he was not in it are you sure carl i mean to be shortly i replied dave old man don't ask me any questions yet as to how it's to be done but i believe that before this world's fair closes you and i will have gotten delbra and bob out of mischief's way settled the brunette problem and thrown light on the diamond robbery and how about that lost young englishman sir carroll ray and missing gerald trent i turned and faced him old man i said if you'll find one i'll find the other End of chapter 18